You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. take your Bibles with me. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 tonight. Amen. As you turn there, let me say thank you one last time to your pastor for uh, inviting us and, and uh, giving us the opportunity to speak. Amen. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Is there anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Is there anybody thankful for that which flowed out that's going to save us from wrath? Is there anybody here in this place that would just lift your hands and lift your voices with me and just give God the glory for a moment before we, before we dive into the rest of the message? I wonder if you'd just give God the praise and the honor for shedding His blood for your sins and mine. Oh, Jesus, we thank You tonight, God. We thank You, Lord, for Your blood, Jesus. And we thank You, Lord, for Your sacrifice. Almighty God, I thank You, Jesus, Lord, that You, Almighty God, poured out, Jesus, Your, your perfect, spotless, sinless blood. Oh, Jesus, for my life, God, and the lives of those that are around me tonight, God, and the lives, Lord Jesus, of those that have come before us. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, God, for your great love. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Is there anything that you'd be willing to die for tonight? Perhaps it would be easier to come up with an answer if I said, is there anyone that you'd be willing to to die for. If you're, a, if you're a parent, perhaps it would be your, your children. If you're a, a, a young person, perhaps there's a, there's, a, there's a friend or a relative in your life that, that you would lay down your own life for. If there was a speeding train coming towards them, you would, if you could, take their place. And our culture pays great respect to those who give their lives. And I think that that's just. I think it is, I think it is honorable to show honor to those who, who exchange their lives and put themselves in danger even to the point of death so that others can live. I think that that is, that is truly heroic. There is a, a common saying in, in veterans of, of World War II, uh, one of which I was, I was privileged to meet in the town where I grew up, and, and the, the prevailing idea among them is that, is that they didn't like to be called heroes. And in their mind, all the, all the true great heroes were, were buried back in, back in Normandy or back in Belgium or, or wherever it was that they may have fallen. The real heroes, the ones who were worthy of the utmost respect, were the ones who gave their lives. I think that there's something innate that we understand about what it means to give a life. After all, we go to great lengths to preserve our own lives, and rightly so. I hope that you wear your seatbelt, and I hope that you do all the other little mundane things that help you keep living. 
we have this, this powerful instinct. It's, it's, it's right in there uh, within us from the point of creation not to just waste our breath and our life, but rather to preserve it if we can. And so then, when we consider what it means to sacrifice one's love, excuse me, when, <laughs> to sacrifice one's life, pardon me, we see the truest expression of love. To exchange one's life for another's shows a tremendous depth of love, one that is almost too great for us to consider and to understand. John 15 and 13, Jesus says this to His disciples. He says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was very plain. The utmost expression of love is to lay down your life. The ultimate proof of your, life, uh, uh, of your love excuse me, is when it comes time for life or death and you step into the place of somebody else. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's true that the things that we love are the things that we are willing to suffer for the most. The people that we love are the things that we are willing to most greatly endure for. There is nothing that, that prompts people to, to, to acts of, of great endurance and acts of, of great sacrifice than the people that they love. And to die indicates a love that's greater than that powerful instinct of self-preservation. That thing that, that, that drives so many of our other decisions to set that aside is an incredible, incredible sacrifice. And so we find Jesus in the biblical narrative. We find Him in the Garden of Gethsemane just before His crucifixion. He knew that he was going to die. There was no question in his mind at all the fate that awaited him. He knew that in just a short time he was going to be brutally whipped and beaten. And then, because that was not enough, he was going to die on a cross. He had told his disciples over and over again that this was going to happen. In so many words, he had, he had described to his disciples the sacrifice that he was going to have to make this, this, this time of, of trouble that they were going to have to endure. Jesus was never confused about where his life was going. When God manifest himself in flesh, and like we talked about the other night, for the first time felt weakness and hunger, for the first time ever suffered, when God manifested himself in flesh and was born as a little baby. There was no question in God about where this process was going. It was never a maybe that He was going to die on the cross. It was never, uh, it was never a 50-50 chance as to whether or not He was going to sacrifice His life. When God came down to earth, it was for the express purpose of shedding His blood for the sins of humanity. The will that that takes. The strength that that takes. The love that that takes to even contemplate coming down from your throne in heaven. To dwell among men. To reach for them. To bless them. To heal them. And then to die for them. I cannot contain in my mind what that must have taken. 
And so we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When God robed Himself in flesh, as we say, when God became a man, just like you or I, He became human like us. For the first time, it would seem to me, God, wrapped in human flesh, developed an instinct of self-preservation. There was, for the first time, a part of Him that did not want to die. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, He is suffering. His stress is absolutely incredible. His disciples are, are uh, it's, it's late at night to give you a little bit of context, and His disciples are nodding off a little distance away while, while He is in fear for His life. He is, he, is, he is dealing with that instinct of self-preservation rearing up in His humanity. So He cries out, God, if it's, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. That, that human aspect of Him crying out to the divine nature of God within Him, saying, please, if there's any way that I can live, but I'll do whatever it takes. He said, nevertheless, not my will, not the will of my self-preservation, but the will of your love, let that be done. He was so stressed. He was so in, 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 in agony that drops of blood formed and dripped from his forehead. He was in such great pain within his soul at the prospect of the shedding of blood that he suffered incredibly before that process ever even began. And he said, I know within himself, he said, I know what it's going to take. And I'm going to do it anyway. See, that's the thing. It is, it is perhaps one thing to, to suddenly dive into traffic to shield a baby from an oncoming car, something that happens in an instant, something that happens in a moment. That's one thing. But for God to play out the process over 33 years and not waver and not go to the left or to the right, but to march straight towards Calvary with his entire life and his entire ministry. For God to do that, that shows you what love he has for you. And when he went to the cross and he died upon it, the question of your worth was settled forever. The question of his love for you was settled forever. When he went to the cross and when his blood was poured out, when he was crucified, that put the stamp on His love for you, that proved once and forever that you were worth saving. If you were not, God would not have done it. But God in His love looked down through time and saw you and said, I want to save them. Whatever it costs me, however much of my blood I need to shed, I will do it for the love that I have for them. Romans 5 and 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, maybe for a good man, some would even dare to die. Paul puts forth the idea that, that maybe, just maybe, if it was a really honorable and righteous man, perhaps somebody might be willing to die in his place because of how worthy he is. If you look at Jesus, it's, it's reasonable perhaps to suppose that, that somebody might have stepped up to the plate and taken his place on the cross. But Paul goes on 
to say in verse 8, he didn't do it for righteous people. He didn't do it for people that were, that were already perfect. He didn't do it for people that had it all figured out and, and, and had it all buttoned up and, and just so. Oh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us before we ever knew His name. In fact, before anybody in this room even existed, when we were just a thought in His mind, He loved us enough to die on the cross, knowing that we would make mistakes, knowing that we would fall short and miss the mark, knowing that we would not be perfect. Still, 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 He went to the cross, knowing that we would fail, knowing that we would make mistakes. He looked at us and He saw those failures and He saw those mistakes just as plain as day. But when He looks at us, He sees Moreover, our potential. He sees, moreover, what we can become. He sees the ways in which we can grow and be, and be perfected in His glory. He sees the ways in which we might bless somebody else. When God looks at you, He doesn't see all of the mistakes. When God looks at you, He doesn't see any of the failures when you repent of your sins. When God looks at you, all He sees is His blood. All He sees is perfect, sinless perfection that covers you. God said, I love them in the midst of their sin. And I love them way, way, way too much to leave them where they are at. Young people, do you know why, why God expects you to change? Do you know why God reaches for you and calls you up to a, to a higher standard of living? Why God expects you to put all the sin in your life behind you that you possibly can? It's because He loves you far far, far too much to let that corruption keep working in your life. Sometimes we get this, this, this concept, well, if God really loved me, He'd just, he just leave me alone and let me do whatever I want. No, God loves you way, way, way too much to allow sin to keep running rampant in your life. God loves you way too much to let sin keep ruling over you. We're justified by His blood. We're saved from wrath because of Him. Romans 8 and 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Or in other words, His death on the cross and His burial and His resurrection, that accomplished something that nothing else could ever accomplish. He needed to die on the cross because the wages of sin are death. Sin brings the penalty of death into our lives and the only thing that can possibly cover that is perfect, sinless life. And so when He died on the cross, what it was all about is turning you away from the wrath that was to come, from the judgment that sin had brought into your life. When He saved you, He saved you from an eternity without Him. He saved you from a, from a hopeless and painful eternity. But moreover, He gave you the gift of eternal life. Not only did He save you from the worst thing that could ever happen to you, He delivered unto you the best thing that could ever happen to you. What is in front of you when you walk for God is glory. What is in front of you and what you are progressing towards when you try to do better every day, what is in front of you is heaven, is glory, is perfect peace forever. It's joy at His right hand. 
It's pleasure forevermore when you reach that place. Only He was sinless. Only He was perfect. And only He could take your place. Only He could die for your sins. And only He ever loved you enough to suffer that much. Only He ever loved you enough to suffer and die for your sins and for mine. The music can come back. I'm going to close. It's a short one tonight. I want to just get out of the Lord's way. Is there something that, young people, we need to come to a place of understanding on? And that is that despite how maybe some people in your life have made you feel, despite how some experiences that you've had have, have trampled down your sense of being worthy of love, God loves you so, so, so much. God has such incredible depth of love for you, and He proved it on Calvary. You don't need to ask any more questions about whether or not the Lord cares about you. He took away from you the greatest danger to you that has ever existed. He put Himself right in the path of that death and took it upon Himself. His blood was poured out. And it was poured out for you. I don't mean you generally. I mean you specifically. And you, and you, and you, and everybody here. God shed His blood for everyone. But God knows exactly who you are. And God saw exactly you on the cross. And God did this exactly for you. Don't ever let the world convince you. Don't ever let some, some guy or some girl convince you that you're not worthy of love. You need to look at the cross and let that take that thought completely out of your mind. If He didn't love you, He wouldn't have done it. But because of the great love that He had for you. And I just want to keep hammering on that nail tonight. Because if there's one thing, if there's one thing that'll help you break through so much of the pain in your life and so much of the sorrow in your life and so much of the weakness in your life, it's that simple fact that He loved you enough to die for your sins. That He cared enough about you to pay ultimate price. If you'll stand with me tonight. There's a, there's a presence and a spirit in this house right now. It's the spirit of Almighty God. There's, there's just an atmosphere right now. Young people, I want you to know that in this house and in this atmosphere, you're completely safe. I want you to know that when you come to the altar, God's going to receive you. He will not reject you for any reason at all. If you say, oh, well, I got sin in my life, well then, His presence is exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I got problems. 
your presence is exactly where you're supposed to be. I'm not perfect. Well, his presence is where you need to be. There's something that I've, I've felt since, since this morning. As I began to pray over, over some of our young people. And that is that there is within some of you a deep wounding. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know if it was if it was somebody you loved who hurt you. God hasn't shown me any details about any of your lives. That's between you and him. But what God helped me to understand this morning as we were praying in the altar is that, that some of you have been have been hurt deeply. Why don't we just come to the altar right now? Some of you have been hurt deeply. And that pain and that wounding, is, it's like it's locked up in a little room that's inside of you. And to get there, you've got to go down all sorts of secret corridors and places that nobody ever gets to see because you don't want them to see the hurt that's within you. You've got it all locked up inside that, that little room within yourself. What you need to do tonight is let God into that little room. Because see, I, I understand why you wouldn't just want to let anybody in there. I understand that that's a place where you're, you're protecting your vulnerability. Hey, that's, that's your sense of self-preservation that's working. But if that door never opens and God is not going to barge in there. But if you would be willing to be vulnerable tonight before the Lord and say, God, I want you to heal what that person hurt in me. I want you to put back together what that experience broke in me. And young people, if he was willing to die on a cross, if he loved you that much, believe me, he loves you enough to heal the wound that is within your spirit. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.